Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. Uh, what are we talking about today? We are going to talk about quantile regression. It's something that has come up in one of our recent episodes, but we were like, hey, we should come back to that later. So now we're going to. Excellent. Well, I, uh, I'm about to learn something new. You are listening to Linear Digressions. Cool. So before we start, quick show of hands out there. How many of you all are familiar with linear regression? Um, Lots of people in the crowd, I see. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no crowd except for me, and you can't see me. <laughs> That's true. Nonetheless, I'm going to make some assumptions here. So if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. If you're not, there's a decent chance that you've been around while we've been talking about linear yeah. regression. So linear regression is something that we talk about a whole lot. Um, and quantile regression is a similar idea, but like a little bit different enough that it's kind of interesting. So it came up sort of parenthetically, if you were listening a few weeks ago, in the if you read uh, one of the blog posts that was associated with the episode we had recently about A-B tests and heterogeneous treatment effects, there was a blog post that was talking about using quantile regression to estimate some um, well, we can get into it a little bit. It came up parenthetically. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of interesting, so I wanted to talk about it. So just for those of us who don't remember, a linear regression is... I'm going to do a bad job of explaining it, and then you can tell me where I'm wrong. Uh, okay. If you've got a bunch of points in a plot, a linear regression is plotting a line that kind of roughly represents the shape of that plot. So... Kind of roughly, we can be a little more precise than that. Um, All right. Yeah. So a linear regression, what you get from ordinary least squares is it actually has like a pretty precise definition. And most of the time you can remember it by the acronym blue, like the color blue. And blue stands for best linear unbiased estimator. And so what best that means... Best linear unbiased. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is the estimator is the line. That's the model that you found. Uh, this is the best, meaning that the overall sum of the squared errors is the smallest. It's linear okay. because by definition, it's a line. Mm -hmm. Unbiased means that it's the, the average amount that you're wrong by is zero. So sometimes it misses high and sometimes it misses low, but oh, the mean of, okay. yeah, but the mean of the errors is zero and then estimator. And so <laughs> this is in some ways it's very profound. In some ways it's a little bit simple. Uh, but what it's saying is the best fit line is the best fit line, uh, where we define best as minimizes the sum of the squared errors. The, in other words, another way you can think about it is that what the linear regression will give you is the mean of the data. So that's another way of defining what the best fit is, is it's the thing that gives you the mean of the data, right? Mm, okay. And in particular with a linear regression, because you have usually all these covariates that you're using to um, help you adjust that mean up and down, depending on the different things that are going on at the point you want to estimate, we call this the conditional mean. So this is the mean conditional on all the covariates. So it's saying, if you make a bunch of assumptions about what the input values are for these covariates, here's our guess about what the mean value is of your outcome that you care about. So it's, it's something that by definition will give you the mean of what it is, the outcome that you're interested in, once you take into account 
all of the covariates that are helping you make that prediction. Right. So, and we we talked so, about some related things in a recent episode. So that is a good listen if you want more context around this topic. Yes. Now, you and I have just spent a lot of time right now talking about the mean. So it's the idea that, right. okay, we want to make a bunch of assumptions about the inputs and then understand what the mean prediction is that we would get out for those inputs. Now, I don't know if you remember junior high level stats, maybe high school stats. Are we going but... uh, mean, median mode? Mm-hmm. All yep. right. So, so mean, I always, I learned that as average, right? So the mean is the average. The median is the the one that's in the middle. And so like if you have uh, a skewed data set, your mean may not give you enough information to understand that, but your median uh, will help with that, help you kind of understand the, the shape of the data. And then the mode mode is the thing that you have the most of, the, the point, the, the, the value that you have the most of in your data set, right? Uh, yeah, so let me let me rephrase median here so that we can be like a Please little bit do. more precise for them. <laughs> so yeah, I, the... I mean again, high, uh, middle school, right? Sure. So the the mean is you're gonna the the formula for it is you add up all of the values and divide by the number of values that you added up, and so mm-hmm. what that means, as you kind of mentioned, is that. If you have a mean, the mean is affected by outliers much more strongly than some of these other ones are. So contrast this with the mode. Like you said, the mode is just the the number that shows up the most often in your data set, your distribution. So if you have outliers, that's not going to change around which number shows up the most often. Mm-hmm. But with the, with the mean, it can, right? So this is... Uh, I don't know why this is the example that comes to mind for me, but the example that comes to mind is um, when you're wedding planning, there's all these numbers that are floating around about how much people spend on weddings. And they say the average American wedding costs like $30,000 or something. And so the thing that you always have to keep in mind when you're reading that is that that sounds like a lot of money, but it doesn't mean that half of the people spend less than 30,000 and half of the people spend more. That's what the median is. But instead, in this case, the mean is a whole bunch of people who spend, you know, five or 10 or $15,000. And then there's, you know, the 5% of people who spend $100,000 on their wedding. So that pulls up the mean. But in that example, the median might be something like, I don't know, $10,000 or $15,000. Right. And so, so that so the median is so much more useful to you in that case if you're if you're wedding planning. Well, it just depends on what you want to do because there are cases where the mean is more representative of whatever it is you're trying to capture. Mm. There's somewhere the median is more. So, when you're doing linear regression, it assumes that what you want to find is the mean of your distribution conditional on a bunch of assumptions oh. that you made. Right. So, okay. You know, make a bunch of assumptions about what kind of wedding you're planning, and then it's going to give you the mean, but that that can be pulled around by outliers and that, you know, in some cases you might be interested in the median instead, but that's not what ordinarily squares give you. And so that's what quantile regression tries to solve for is it's going to give you the conditional median rather than the conditional mean as the outcome of the regression that you run. Okay. So you're saying that quantile regression we care about the median. 
we don't care as much about the mean necessarily like we do for linear regression but i don't i guess i don't i haven't really connected how this actually works like right well i haven't told maybe you we yet could dig in <laughs> sure yeah, I, I guess so i haven't yeah. intuited it katie sure and we're gonna get we're gonna get even maybe a little bit more refined than this just gives you the median so if you're a statistician and you're listening to this and you're your hair is standing up on end. Well, we're going to get to some subtleties here in just a second. But yes, let's say that what you want to find is the median. When you're doing an ordinary least squares regression, the way that it actually works is you express a, a sum of squared errors term or a residual term, which is the sum of the squared errors. So you say, here's my prediction for this point. Here's an actual value that I have from a data point. Uh, here's the difference between the two. We call that the error or the residual. And then you square that and you sum it up over all your data points. And then you try to minimize that overall. And that's really important because the fact that you're squaring the errors there and you're trying to minimize that overall, that has like a deep connection to the fact that you're finding the, the mean of the distribution. So if you want to find the median instead, you have to change the way that you calculate the errors. So now instead of doing the squared error, you're going to take the absolute value of the error and you're going to minimize that over all of the data points instead. So you have a different shape to your objective function and it's one that's a little bit tricky actually because one of the things that characterizes a sum of squared errors distribution is that it always has a minimum and it has a single minimum. It's kind of like a parabola that's concave up and it has a point at the bottom that is the lowest point of the distribution. There's always going to be a single answer to that, you know, what's at the bottom of that curve. But the thing that's tricky about the sum of the absolute errors, which is what you're trying to minimize in uh, this median to get this median calculation in a quantile regression is that it can actually have multiple answers. So, to imagine this, imagine that you had a very simple data set and you had two points. They're both at X equals one. And one of them is at Y equals one. And the other one is at Y equals three. Okay. okay so you have two points pretty, that are kind of stacked on top to of each imagine. other. Yep. Yeah. And so let's imagine that you're trying to fit some kind of, uh, some kind of line to this so that it at X equals one it minimizes the sum of the squared errors between these two data points. We're only going to worry about this. So we're not going to worry about the slope of the line too much because that's adding a little more complication than we need. But it has to figure out where to go. It's going to be somewhere in between these two points. Now, if you're summing up the squared errors, then what that's going to do is it's going to put you right at y equals 2, right in the middle of them at the, mm-hmm. at the, at the, at the mean, <laughs> uh, not coincidentally. But the absolute errors, what that means is it's just the absolute value of the error. So you can put it at two and you'll have an absolute error where you're going to undershoot one of the points by one. You're going to overshoot one of the points by one. And so you're going to have a, a sum uh, of absolute errors of two. But you could also put right. the line at 2.5. You could put it at 1.5. You could actually put it anywhere in between those anywhere. two points. Yes. E- even on one of them. Yes. Yeah. As long as it's somewhere between them um, or between or on them. Yeah. It can't uh, be outside okay. of them. Let's put it that way. That makes and, a little bit more sense. 
Yeah. So if you have a whole lot of data points, then it becomes a little bit less likely that you might run into a pathology like this. But what it does mean is that overall, it's harder to use some of the simple tricks of minimization like you do for the sum of the squared errors. So you have to be a little bit more fancy about the the way that you actually find what is the thing that minimizes the absolute errors. There's, I think, more complicated optimization solvers that you use for quantile regression. Anyway, that was a little bit of an aside about why this is tricky in a way that OLS isn't. Yeah. That's but me, really interesting. Uh, yeah. Sorry, fun, go ahead. Right? Go ahead. Yeah. But the last thing that I wanted to come back to for all those uh, yeah. statisticians who are a little bit uncomfortable right now is that quantile regression technically, we've been explaining it as median regression, but that's not technically what the definition is because the median, the median is just defined as the median is a special example of what's called a quantile. That's the 50th percentile. If you remember, I don't know, um, the place where this comes up most is when you're a kid and you're you're mm-hmm. doing like those height and weight charts or maybe you're taking like standardized tests and there's percentiles that you peg yourself to all of your peers to try to figure out, you know, if you're a kid, if you're growing properly or if you're super tall or if you're taking the SATs, how many what percentage of your peers are you outperforming or underperforming? The median would put you right at the 50th percentile of the distribution that you care about. But of course, percentiles go all the way from the first percentile to the 99th percentile. And so the thing about quantile regression is that, sure, you can kind of put in 50% into the equations for quantile regression. That'll give you the, the conditional median. But you can actually put in any quantile that you want. So you can say something like, I want the 95th quantile, or I want the 25th quantile. And so it can allow you to scan anywhere through your data set and say, okay, I want to do a regression here and I want to find not the conditional mean, but the conditional 90th percentile or the conditional 25th percentile or the conditional 60th percentile. I want to probe different parts of my distribution and see if there are different different effects that are going on there. Mm, interesting. So this gives you more of a more of an ability to understand the shape of your data set and maybe what might be going on in a more localized area. Yes, yes. And in particular, so then the adjustment that you make is then you have to weight your your data a little bit differently because you're still taking all of your data into account. But if you're looking at something like the 90th percentile, then 90% of the data points are going to be under your line. And so if what you're trying to do is minimize the absolute error, then there's actually going to be a whole lot of data that's down below you that there's going to be a lot of error that you get from all of that data. So what you have to do is you make adjustments to when you're calculating that that absolute error, you weight all of the data points by I see. You know, which part which part of the distribution they fall into so that the bigger part of the distribution is weighted less heavily so that it doesn't pull the line down toward it, but instead you can take the line and have it be kind of a balance between maybe a big part of the data set that you want to have a small impact and then a smaller part of the data set that you want to be dominating it. And so that's what allows you to kind of zero in on, especially on the tails of the distribution, you know, the 10th, the 20th, the 80th, the 90th percentile, where there's definitionally most of the data 
is to one side or the other of the answer mm-hmm. that you want to get. That's fine. That's what you want in this case. But then you still want that data to be part of your answer, but you don't want it to be totally dominating your answer. And so you have a little bit of waiting that you have to do to keep everything balanced out. And so that's the other, that's the last piece of quantile regression. Yeah. And that's interesting because when you were first explaining it using median as an example, this didn't exist because you always had 50% of your data below you and 50% above or half below and half above. But if you're going for some arbitrary point, that's not necessarily at 50, then you need to start thinking about this weighting thing so that way you don't pull down or pull up your, uh, your errors. Yes, exactly. So I'm curious now if you can give me an example of when you might use this. Uh, are there any situations that, that you've read about or that you can think about that would specifically benefit from this versus just a, a typical linear regression? Yes, we kind of mentioned one of them at the top that this came up as an aside in a blog post that was put out by the Uber, I think the Uber AI team or something like this. And in that case, we were talking about it recently for other reasons, but in that case, they had an example where they were imagining that there's a new algorithm that they're introducing to Uber where it's going to tell you it's a, it's a different estimate of when your ride is going to arrive. So you call the Uber and then it says something like your ride will be here in four minutes. And most yeah, of the time that, it the should be there. The number that's always wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's exactly what they're saying is like the, you know, most of the time it'll be there in four minutes, but sometimes it could be there in two, sometimes it could be there in seven. And so let's imagine that in general, you want to have an ETA estimator that's, or an algorithm that's generally going to get someone there as quickly as possible, but also you don't want it to be wildly off. So in this case, you can imagine they were kind of going through a thought experiment. Let's imagine that we have a new ETA model that we've introduced. And the one of the effects that it has is that the fast cars get there faster. So if you had been previously getting a car there in three minutes, maybe it arrives in two but it also makes the slow cars arrive slower. So now your seven minute wait becomes a 10 minute wait. And so the question is overall, how would we detect this? Now, if what you're looking at is the mean, then the mean might actually not change at all. It's just that the the distribution has smeared out a bit, yes. Right, so your fasters get there faster, your slow cars get there slower, you average it out and you get the exact same number and it looks like nothing has changed, but in fact, uh, everything has changed. <laughs> half the cars have gotten faster, and half the cars have gotten slower in this thought experiment. But by being, yeah. but you're saying by being able to look at um, not like we were talking about before the median, but to be able to look at any of these percentiles, you can kind of zero in on these different parts of the distribution, and you can understand: hey, our faster cars are behaving in this way. Our slower cars are behaving in this way. Our really slow cars are behaving in this different way. Um, and maybe our, our median is behaving this way. And that gives you a better, that gives you better insight into, the, into your data. Yeah, so in particular, what you would do in this case is you might do a bunch of different quantile regressions. So you'd say for each percentile or for each decile of our data set, rerun the regression. And then you look at the terms that you get out of that regression because a lot of what you're doing when you 
run one of these regressions is looking to see if these terms are uh, statistically significantly different from zero. So you would have a term there that says, is it faster or slower? And then it would basically be telling you for the stuff in the, the 10th or the 20th percentile, the fast stuff, that it's getting faster. And then the stuff in the 80th or 90th, it's going to be slower. So yeah, what you have to do then is multiple different regressions across the different deciles that you're interested in. But then when you start to compare those regression terms to each other, you can see the overall trend that tells you, okay, this distribution is getting smeared out, where exactly like you said, if you were just looking at the mean overall, that might not have changed. That is pretty cool. Yeah, I thought so too. So uh, we've paid down now a little bit of communication debt, because that was something that we waved our hands past uh, when we talked about <laughs> when we talked about this before a little bit in a different context. But if you were curious about that, or if you'd never really thought about, you know, some of these details of regression, now you know. Linear digressions is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lynn Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.